This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by STN Sports from Station Casinos. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What's up, everybody? Golden Edge Podcast Time. Here at T-Mobile Arena, we're looking over an empty arena uh, after the New Year's Eve matinee between the Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. A 5-2 easy win for the Golden Knights. A very impressive performance. We'll get to that and how the Golden Knights are playing uh, as we roll along with the podcast. Adam Hill and Dave Shane here uh, cover the team for the Review Journal. No Ben Goats. He is out sick. I think upper body day-to-day, he said, I think uh, is an accurate description. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so uh, we will uh, we'll try to soldier on without him. Uh, don't forget the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos and presented by Untuck It. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share, comment, all the things you do with podcasts wherever you listen to us. And Dave, uh, no, no Ben as we said today, but uh, we'll try to uh, get through this. And a lot of good things going on for the Golden Knights right now. What I don't want to do is say... The Golden Knights closed out the decade with their their victory. Uh, This is not the end of the decade. That's a year from now. We're not going to do that. We're not going to look back on a decade that was for the Golden Knights because, well, they've only been around for three years anyway. Uh, But please don't refer to this as the end of the decade because it's not. There was no year zero. Uh, This is not the end of the decade. But we will leave that for other people to debate down the road. Where where are you on this, first of all? I think you're end of the decade guy. Yeah, it's not right. Well, because you, well, start, because your you start your life at like, like year zero, right? right? That's not the same. It's on a calendar. You don't have a year zero. It's not. Hey, this is this is you know September fourteenth of zero. September fourteenth of so year one. You, no, it, I don't know. I'm not okay, buying. Well, we don't have to debate this. This uh, this is this, this is some like weird like lunar thing or whatever though, right? Who knows how it all started? I don't know what's going on. I will say this: when I said you can like and subscribe and comment, all those things, comment on this. Is this the end of the decade? Because it's not. It is not. And I feel like this is going to go on and on could. and on for oh, I'm like the next year probably. I'm here right? for it, but I know other people probably are sick of it, so we'll move on from that. Ben is probably at home. Like, thank goodness I'm not here for <laughs> he this. Does not debate. want any part of this. Uh, but we won't do the end of the decade stuff like a lot of people are doing. We will do the state of the team kind of a thing at the turn of the year. I think that's kind of a a fair point to do it, and I don't think anybody can you know argue that the Golden Knights aren't playing the best hockey that we've seen them play all year right now. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think, you know, if we're going to talk about the end of something, let's talk about the end of the month yeah. and the end of December and, and what they did during this month. So at the start, 
Calendar flips to December 1st. I think I looked it up. They were 13, 11, and 4. Good for 30 points. I was fourth in the Pacific Division. And then if you go on all the technical things, points percentage and whatever, they were not in a playoff spot at that point on December 1st. You know, 31 days later, they're, they go 9-4-2 and two during the month, play some really good hockey, and they go into 2020 in first place. And like you said, playing their best hockey, feeling good about the way they're playing. You know, we've got two goalies, two goalies I guess, that, that oh, we're, are going we got good. And that, one of them plenty that, of that to talk about, yeah, too. We can talk about that. Uh, obviously, the top two lines are going right now. Uh, it seems to be one on, you know, the alternating nights. The fourth line, especially the last two games, has been incredibly physical. Um, Rick Tockett even used the word intimidating, not necessarily that his team was, but but within the context of the Knights in the fourth line, we're just kind of seeing them figure out their identity, figure out the way that they have to play to be successful. And, you know, at least right now it's working. We'll see how uh, how long they can carry it over into but the I think year. when you look at the season as a whole, it, it, it's important to evaluate where they are right now uh, because there's a lot of hockey to be played. And I asked a couple of guys today uh, about it, and you're around for it. And I think being in first place at this point of the year doesn't mean a whole lot, especially when you look around and say, okay, the Golden Knights are, you know, sitting in first place in the division, which you that's where you want to be. But really, they're only like seven points ahead of the final playoff spot right now. So it's not like first place is some dominating first place spot. But I think in a you know a more micro level, you're in first place despite having kind of gone through the ups and downs and the struggles that are early in the season. So I think it's more of a landmark to say, okay, you you got through what you had to get through. You've kind of figured some things out. You're playing the best hockey of the year and oh, by the way, you're also in first place right now. So despite everything you've gone through, you're in first place in the division. Like That, I think, is why it's a little bit more of a big deal right now to just say, okay, you're where you want to be. Like This is it. Now you can start kind of putting some some cushion there, some padding to, to the point total, and really start pushing ahead because you're getting the results. As, as much as they said they played well early in the season and they thought it was just some puck luck going against them, you're getting the results to back that up, and I think that's why you're a little more confident where you are right now if you're the Knights. Right Right, and I guess the other, you know, the flip side to it is, yes, it's still early. Yes, there's a lot to play, but we're past the halfway point yeah. now, so it's really kind of not that early anymore. And it is somewhat significant, I guess you could say, for them to be in first place at this point in the season. I mean, obviously, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to clinch them a spot, or you know, you know all that. Sort of you know, all like, that remember sort the old stuff. minor league baseball where it would be the winner yeah. of the first half against the, the winner first of the half? second half? I had a fantasy yeah. baseball yeah. league yeah. that used to do that. It was great. Obviously, they yeah. don't do that yeah. in the it NHL. Doesn't mean anything. But to your point, I think it's more of the patience that they showed early on, kind of the resilience. You know, things weren't clicking. You know, we saw some other teams and some other franchises around the league not necessarily hit the panic button, but, you know, there was a lot of chatter and, and, and a lot of noise and, and some questions and things. And the Knights just kind of, you know, kept their head down, kept things quiet, kept on plugging away. And, you know, this is, this is I guess, in a little bit of a way their reward for it you know, is to is to now find themselves in a spot where, you know, Edmonton's fading a little bit, Calgary's coming on, but, you know, again, like we just talked about earlier, they're playing their best hockey right now. When you kind of want to start doing that, you know, going forward, they'll have the trade deadline here in a month and a half, and then and then really kind of be able to, to turn it on and see where they're at. But but again, I just think, I think if nothing else, it speaks to what they were able to do early on, kind of weather the storm, stick with it, and, and just kind of figure out who they are and what they need to do to win games. So, you know, we didn't really talk about going in this direction on the podcast, but I'm going to throw it out there. And I hate, 
you know, I hate this being the end of the decade. I hate all these cheesy things that come with the new year. But I'm going to do it anyway because people like this. It's a new year. It's January 1st. If the Golden Knights were to make resolutions about what they need, you know, to do in the new year, how they need to get better, what they can do to, you know, kind of keep this going. I think one would be continue doing what you're doing and try to make this play stay consistent. But, you know, what is there is, is there an addition they need to look for? Is there something that they need to do in their game to, you know, to go from first place team to championship contending team? What do they need to do in the new, in the new year to get where they want to be? I mean, I think I mean, I think there's always things you can look at and say, "Oh, if you know, maybe they could upgrade here, maybe they can improve there." I I'll actually go the other way on this a little bit. The the better that they play, the more chemistry that they develop with the unit and the group that they have right now, I almost feel like you don't want to mess with it too much. You kind of want to play this out for a few weeks, see where you're at, and then be able to maybe if you're Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, evaluate, "Okay, maybe we need a defenseman." Maybe it's a puck-moving guy. Maybe it's somebody who's a stay-at-home guy and can clear the front of the net. That that seemed to be, at least for me, was an issue on the Ducks' first goal. Or, or only actually, goal. only yeah. goal. No, it's not or, no not they added one late. Yeah, the yeah, first gotcha. goal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's just that clearing the front of the net. That was something the game a couple weeks ago, you go back in Vancouver, and they talked about in the first period they were down 3-1. They weren't clearing the front of the net. Maybe that's the improvement they can make. Maybe they can find somebody you know out there that, that does that job. But I also feel like, you know, things are clicking right now, and, and I don't know how much they want to mess with things in, in terms of personnel. I think if you're going to really start to nitpick, you want to start seeing some bottom six scoring, a guy like Alex Tuck getting on the scoreboard tonight. Well, kinda. Even though it wasn't him kinda. that put the puck in the net, yeah. He gets credit for it. I think, you know, it's just big for him to, you know, maybe get off the schneid a little bit, get some confidence. Paul Stasny had a couple goals the last few games. You know, we saw Cody Glass come back from what is, you know, suspected concussion. Haven't seen him on the scoreboard the last few games. But, you know, that third line potentially has some, you know, some offense in them. I mean, you've got three guys that aren't grinders. Those are those are more skilled guys. So you feel like, you know, maybe they're a little deeper. But, you know, right now you look at it and the fourth line's playing incredible hockey the first two lines are are really starting to you know produce consistent offensively there's just not a whole lot of holes Should, right that now. third line be a lot better though yeah yeah probably but i think there's still some issues to to work out in terms of cody glass being on the wing i still don't think that's his best spot he he probably needs to play Where, how could that ha how could they make that work you know what's well i mean if we really want to look at it it's going to get even more convoluted when cody eakin comes back he was skating this week on his own. It, usually the timetable for that is, you know, at some point within the next week, you'd figure he'd come back to practice. You know, eventually he'll have to get cleared for contact and all that. But then you're looking at, you know, Chandler Stevenson, Cody Glass, Cody Eakin, Paul Stasny. You've got a surplus of, of centers at that point. Good problem for, for Gerard Glenn to have. But, yeah, I mean, right now chemistry-wise, you'd, you'd probably like to see – Stasny, Glass, and, and Tuck develop a little more. Like I said, those are offensive-minded guys, and, you, and you'd like to see them scoring. But the way the first line's going and then the time before that or the game before that, the way that the uh, the stone Pacioretty combination has been clicking, I, I don't think they're hurting for offense right now. So it's not like you look at that third line and go, you know, hey, guys, we need you to pick it up because we're not winning right well, now. Well, and along those lines, Alex Tuck, I had a – you know, very high expectations for, um, you know, obviously a, a very talented player, a big guy, good skater, thought he would do a lot. He's actually been 
I would I would put them in the category of disappointment this year uh, for much of the year. Now, certainly they've they've had to figure some things out with moving guys around. They've had injuries along you know along that line. They've tried to mix and match a little bit. It, are are do you think there's concern about where Alex Tuck's game is right now? Yeah, maybe a little. I you know I'm I don't know if concern is the right word. I don't know what the right word necessarily is. I, you know, I just go back to my thing with Alex Tuck, and I've said this repeatedly, is I go back to the Mark Stone trade and the trade deadline last February when Alex Tuck was the leading scorer on the scene. Yeah. And Mark Stone comes in, and it bumped Alex Tuck to the third line. And I don't know if it was a confidence thing or an actual on the ice, you know, just not getting the chances, productivity, same chemistry, what have you. But it just seems like ever since that trade, and Tuck has been on the third line that he just hasn't quite produced. Yeah, you you want to see more. Uh, you know, maybe it w the one thing that was noticeable was he started to develop some chemistry with Cody Glass when Cody Glass was at center. So, you know, maybe that's a way to do it. But, but again, to bring back the point, they're going to have a surplus of centers here in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, they're going to have to sort out, you know, where they want everybody and, and what the best combination is going to be. There's not a whole lot of concern about the goaltending. There is some interesting things to talk about uh, with those goalkeepers, though, the two, uh, two that play for the Golden Knights with Malcolm Subban and Marc-Andre Fleury. And we'll get to that, take a quick break, come back and talk about that more here on the Golden Knights Podcast. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I mean, I've had problems with shirt shopping in the past. I'm like six foot five, and it's hard for people to shop with me, but I love how easy it is to get Untuck It shirts, and I think they look great. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, let's jump right back into it here on the Golden Edge Podcast. Adam Hill, Dave Shane, no Ben Goats. We uh, we send our best wishes out to him. Hopefully, he can get better. He uh, he'll, he'll be back soon. Upper body injury, I think the the congestion, the Vegas flu. The Vegas he's, flu. He's suffering there you from go. It. Uh, no, we all we've all had it. I had it last week too, so it's going yeah, around. We all go through it. Uh, but he'll he'll be back. I think you know he'll be out there. Uh, hopefully, the new year will bring a new Ben, new fresh Ben, uh, back out with us. But uh, we were talking a little bit about the goaltenders and. You know, I, I, I think it's a – certainly Marc-Andre Fleury has been really, really good the last two games, kind of, you know, getting his feet back under him. There is, I think, a lot of factors for why there were some struggles for a while. Certainly things that he was going through off the ice, it's very, very difficult to try to concentrate on playing hockey and trying to get through those things. All right, if you take a step back from things and take the emotion out of it, take the names out of it, and just look at the way they've played over the last, say, month and a half – it's hard to argue that Malcolm Subban hasn't been the better player. But there are other things involved. Fleury, we know, is the starter. We know his track record. He has been the best player for this franchise for several years. Uh, he's starting to feel that a little bit, I think, the last couple games. He's starting to get back there. And there's certainly reasons why I think you know he's had some struggles with everything going on off the ice 
everything, you know, dealing with his father and all the emotion that's gone on there, the family. I think it's a good thing to look and say, hey, you've got Subban, who is playing at an incredibly high level. You've also got Flory, who you know what he is. You know what he's going to be to you. He's your best player. He's the face of your franchise. He's the soul of your franchise. He's everything else. Like, I think it's a good thing right now to say you've got two guys that are very capable, but I also think you might want to look at it and say maybe Subban needs to play a little bit more, not not just because in the past we've said Fleury needs rest. I think you just need to keep Subban out there the way that he's been playing and keep him fresh. I think the argument is there to be made that he should be playing a lot more share of the games now. I mean, I'll just be the contrarian just because you're being the contrarian. Is I mean, I don't think he played very well in Anaheim the other night. Okay. You know, well, but it's one. It's one. Game. I, and then again, this is just me being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk. Um, sure. But no, <laughs> I mean, I mean, numbers are numbers, and in the last month, Malcolm Subban has been outstanding, and and. I think, it, it, you know what, it, here's the reality. It's fun for us to, like, poke fun at who's the starter and who's the backup and, like, you know, all this sort of stuff. But the point is what you made, that it's good for the Golden Knights, that they need this. Their plan at the start of the season was to play Malcolm Subban more anyway. But it was going to be predicated, obviously, on him earning those starts, continuing to play well, you know, and Dave Pryor and, and Gerard Glant being able to continue to run him out there and not feel like, okay, well, we're just giving away two points. So the fact that he's in a spot where he's played, you know, I don't want to say out of his mind, but he's played really well the last month is going to give them the luxury going forward for the next three plus months of continuing to, I guess, load manage Flurry a little bit. Will they? I, I think that. I think the they question. will. I think they will. I, and I think, I think it's easier to do it. It's easier to live up to what you said you're going to do when Subban is playing the way he is because you feel confident, you know, okay, if we've got a back-to-back, we've got a group of games here, we can give Subban a couple, you know, and, and those sorts of things. That's where the – I mean, if you go forward and look at this division right now, for the next, you know, a handful of weeks, Darcy Kemper is out in Arizona. Right now the Canucks are playing well, Markstrom's playing well, but seemingly every other team in this division has got goaltending – I guess question marks or issues or just inconsistency, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And if things are going to continue to be this tight going forward, and the Knights are going to, you know, try to win a division, I, I almost think in a way it's going to be who's ever got the best goaltending wins. And right now, I think the Knights have at least combination wise, arguably the best goaltending in, in that division. Maybe you could, you know, make a case for Arizona a little bit with Kemper and Ranta, but I mean, I think they're better than. Smith and Koskinen, and I think they're better than Riddick and, you know, Talbot up in Calgary. I think Markstrom's decent. But, you know, if Marc-Andre Fleury and Malcolm Subban are playing up to their capability, Knights have the best goaltending in that division. And, and you know, maybe enough to, to see what kind of damage they can do in, you know, conference playoffs and things when they, they see those central teams. And I think the kind of – I don't think it's a major factor. Trust me, I'm not saying, like, this is a huge thing. But when any anybody that's a that's a veteran player that has been around for a long time, there there might be a tendency to get comfortable, and to have another guy on your team playing really well behind you, it's got to be a good thing. Internal competition, not that you're you're hating each other and going after each other, anything like that. But it's just like, hey, there's this other guy who he wants to play too, and he's playing really well, and that could that could help drive. Flurry as well. I mean, that, that's just sure. another factor here that could help. For sure. I mean, I guess the catch twenty two with it is is Flurry seems like a guy and a goalie who 
kind of plays better when he plays a lot. So there's going to have to be some balance here in making sure that he stays active and he stays busy and gets kind of enough pucks and sees enough pucks to to stay sharp while also kind of rewarding Malcolm Subban for his play. And, you know, I mean, obviously they're they're pros, you know, that's that's what they get paid. You know, Dave Pryor and those guys get paid big money for and, and all that. And I'm sure they'll figure it out. But, you know, again, it, it's fun for us to joke about. But but when it really boils down to it, the Knights are in the best position they could be in in terms of goaltending. No question. And Marc-Andre Fleury will be the Knights' representative in the All-Star game. Um, you know, as you said, not a whole lot of great goaltenders in the division. So, uh, you know, that's there. But maybe it might be, might be better for the team in their long-term outlook to have Fleury not play and, not you know, take those, you know, take that rest instead of, uh, instead of playing, especially with the road trip that they have coming up, which is going to be pretty brutal for them. But still a cool honor for Fleury to be there. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think, I, I don't think you would ever get anybody to admit this, but I think secretly if Marc-Andre Fleury was not chosen nobody would have really minded within the organization you know give him a few days to you know just have a break clear your head a little bit throw out the you get a chip on your shoulder like hey we know he we know how good he is he deserved it and then you go and prove it and right and all those things are good right and they have the bye week right after that so he could have got a big chunk of rest and all that but you know I mean excuse me he'll be fine and and I think you know probably the bigger thing is in terms of the organization, in terms of just the visibility, you know, for him to kind of be the one to go and represent, you know, the team, it, it's it's just it's a good thing for the organization because everybody loves Flurry. You know, the media always gravitates toward him. We'll see what he does, you know, in terms of his song choice and all that sort of stuff during the 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 what is it, the save streak shootout? I, I whatever crazy name they come up with that competition, but you know, I mean, I think the bigger thing is to be quite honest, if Kemper's not there, is He's going to have to warm up and probably get beaten that first game, to be quite honest. I mean, it's not a very strong Pacific Division team when you look at some of the other ones. So, you know, maybe from that That's pretty good high-end talent. Though. Yeah, high-end talent, yeah. And, and one defenseman, I think, yeah, on the roster. Yeah. So, Well, and, and on the other side of that, just all the same things we said about if Flurry would have been snubbed, you can say about Max Pacioretty, who I think is having a fantastic season and, you know, almost certainly deserved – I guess he's getting consideration. We're almost certainly, you know, you could make the case that he could be there, and you could make all these same arguments. He's get, he's going to get the rest, so he doesn't have to go perform unless he gets this vote and gets in. But he can get the rest and look at it and say, hey, he was snubbed, and you know, use that as some whatever motivation you could possibly use. I'm sure it's not much, but that little bit of hey, you you need to pr- you can prove that they made a mistake by leaving you off. Sure, Mark Stone too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he's another one that and and Pacioretty and Stone, neither of them have ever made an All-Star game in their career. So, I mean, I I asked Max Pacioretty about it uh yesterday and he wasn't exactly uh let's say thrilled per se about, you know, if he were to make an All-Star game or not. I don't think it was the 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 highest thing on his list of priorities. Let's put it like that. Um but I also think, you know, if he were voted in, certainly it'd be an honor uh you know that that you know, he would be proud of, and, and same thing for Mark Stone. But I think more than anything is what's odd, I guess, is what more do they have to do? Yeah. You know? I mean, when Mark you kind Stone of look. Mark Stone is clearly one of the best players in the yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. And, and underrated almost, you know. I mean, played in Ottawa all those years, and everybody talks him up close to Selkie Award or whatever, and yet it comes to an all-star game, and, you know, he's not even on the last man in vote. Max Pacioretty got that over him, so I'm sure that's probably a a little bit of you know a little chirping between the two of them. But you know, I mean, all star games are, are are a little weird. I mean, you look at you know who's on there, and 
you know, can be a little political and a lot of it's just, you know, filling in the rosters and everybody's got to have a, have a guy and all that. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily always, you know, the be all end all most telltale of, you know, who's playing the best and things like that. But, you know, I think if nothing else, just the fact that, that Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, you know, kind of mentioned for it and, and getting some credit, getting some, some publicity and whatever is, is, you know, at least a good thing gets rid of that West Coast bias a little bit. You know, everybody's out here. Nobody's really seen them. So, so that the All Star Game coming up. Golden Knights continue on this homestand. Uh, you know, listen, we talked about the other day. The, the Christmas break came. I thought it a kind of a bad time the way that they had things going. They had the momentum uh, there in front of them, but you know, they're you know they come out play you know a little bit slow again after the break. But now looks like they're right back where they where they left off getting that momentum going and now they're going to have the rest of the homestand then they'll have another break and you mentioned that bye week that could break the momentum a little bit but I'm sure the Golden Knights are just looking to kind of keep things going the way that they're playing right now certainly Drugland is happy with where they are we talked about how they should be thrilled with where they are as a team right now but things going well in Knights world uh, for the time being and uh, looks like the prognosis is good for the second half of the season uh who i guess the you know we'll have plenty of time to talk about this as the season goes on but who should the knights be most fearful of in the division uh to kind of keep them from from winning the, the division title that they want so that i mean I'll, I'll give maybe two sides of it i think arizona is the the one team that you know by the end of the season is going to be right there i don't see them going away um but i think in terms of you know who they, I guess, maybe could quote-unquote fear. I would say Calgary. Um, they they seem like they've sort of figured some things out. They're getting some offense from Kachuk and Goudreau and some guys that they weren't getting offense from early on. Um, they seem like everything, once the, the coaching situation kind of got sorted out there and, and whatever off-the-ice drama was kind of kind of building, it, it seems like everybody took a big, deep breath, kind of a sigh of relief of, okay, now we can kind of go on. So... I mean, I would expect if, if you're going to say who are the three, you know, the top three teams in the division come April, you know, sixth, seventh, whatever it is, I would say the Knights, Coyotes, and Flames. Uh, but it'll it'll be interesting. The the two that I think are, are most interesting for me are the Canucks and the Oilers. Yeah. Um, Oilers Canucks obviously playing really well right now. Right, they're playing really well. They have a lot of high end skill, young guys, and then same thing kind of with the Oilers too. I think you know if they they get their defense straightened out, they're a dangerous team because of how good McDavid and Drysaddle are and how basically those two guys can go win a game by themselves. Well, and we also know that there's a certain player that wins a division title every year. Jamie Neal. That's on that roster. Yeah. He yeah. always wins division titles no matter where he goes every single year. So we'll see if that streak is broken. But a lot of hockey left to be played here uh, in the season as we turn the calendar to a new year. Golden Knights playing very well. They'll see if they can keep that going. We'll see if we can keep this going. We tried to do it without Ben. We'll get him back uh, next week, hopefully, if he's feeling better. Uh, as he said day-to-day, -day, I said he might be more week-to-week. -week. We'll find out. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. hope you guys can you know keep tuning in, subscribe, like, share, uh, all those things that you do with your favorite podcast wherever you download it from. Don't forget the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos and presented by Untuck It. For Dave Shane, I'm Adam Hill. We will talk to you guys again very soon, and uh, hope you enjoy the new year. And don't forget, the decade begins next year, a year from now. Make sure you keep that in mind. We'll leave you with that. Happy end of the decade.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.